0: This is the Gary V Audio Experience.
1: Cause we're gonna be legends. Gonna get their attention. What we're doing here, Hey everybody. This is the Ask Gary V Show, and I don't even know why I did that intro. I think that's my old Wine Library TV intro mixed in with the Ask Gary V Show, but getting right into it, I've been really looking forward to this episode because uh, uh, one of the first people I met, you know, it's funny, one of the first people I ever met when I started VaynerMedia was Michael, and he was the raddest, sweetest dude, and it was in a scenario where there was a lot of agencies, and I was like, oh, this is gonna be a great industry. Like. It's a lot of like co-competitive <laughs> like vibes, right? Like there's abundance for everyone. And if there, if it's all rad dudes like this, it's this gonna be awesome. And then what ended up happening was over the last, eight or nine years, I'm not sure I've met anybody as sweet and awesome uh, as Michael. Uh, Michael, why don't you tell the Vayner Nation who you are and then of course all of you are gonna recognize very quickly why we are buddies because you'll see the name of the book and I'm sure it's a word that uh, you guys are very familiar with.
2: Yeah, so uh, Michael Ventura, founder and CEO of Subrosa. I've been running this company for 16 tell years now. Help everybody, Subrosa is? Subrosa is strategy and design practice. We basically go into big organizations and help them fix problems, help them figure out what's wrong inside How do we get culture realigned? How do we get products realigned? And how do we get you back out into the world doing what you do?
1: And as an agency or a company, just because I want to frame it up for everybody, was the output like strategy decks or would you actually make things half. as well?
2: So yeah, half the business is we make decks. Usually that's when consultants dip, right? They'll make the deck and then they'll leave. Yes. Um, but that's the other half of our business then switching on where we're a full service design studio. So we'll take those recommendations from the first half of the work and then go implement them across digital, experiential. We'll build and would retail. Design,
1: would design be all encompassing? Yeah, so like, our
2: design, we have architects on staff. We have UX people on staff. We have you know, coders, the whole thing.
1: Including like the problem with you, your company is your office and you would like design the way they should sit? Yeah, the like way they, the way they organize
2: teams, the way you run meetings, all of that sort of stuff.
1: Design as a holistic religion. Exactly. Okay. And now what are you doing on my show?
2: So this book is coming out next week, uh, May 22nd. It is basically the byproduct of all of the years of work we've done. We basically went back into the archive a few years ago and said, what, if, what, was, what was it at the core of what we've been doing and what we've been working on? And as we picked apart the best case studies of the, of the work, we kept finding that at their core was empathy. At their core was getting out of our own shoes, getting out of our own heads, getting into the minds of the people we were trying to reach, and then using that to help build the right solution. And so we built a process around it. We built uh, a, a whole lecture series around it. And we've been promoting it for the past couple of years now. And it's really sort of taken hold. And this and so those cards are kind of like the gateway drug. Um, they're basically a way to start to come into learning about applied empathy in a way that is real sort of tactile, touchable, and, and can be quick form. You know, you can do it in five minutes. And so what they are, there's are seven different archetypes. Think of it like a Myers-Briggs test or a Finder or something like that. You get to know where you have some strengths, where you have some weaknesses, and then you learn how to work with them to ultimately level up your skills so that you're the most well-rounded, empathic problem solver you can be.
1: And who should read this book?
2: Yeah. So, you know, I I thought about that a lot when we were writing it because we imagined that it's like, oh, it's, you know, it's it's business people of all stripes, right? It could be someone who's new to an organization or new in their career. It could be someone who's mid-level. It could be someone in a C-suite. And all of that's true. But what I've come to find is that really if you are a, if you view yourself as a leader, and that doesn't matter if you're two years into your career or 25 years into your career, this book will help you be a better leader.
1: I believe that, man. I re- you know, Obviously, for everybody who's watching, uh, this is going to be super easy for you to like see why I'm so attracted to this. I do believe empathy is this superpower. Yeah, I, I think that you know, I even think of it now as like a lot of people talk about being consumer centric. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I gravitated towards UX and UI designers when I was building Wine Library 20 years ago, right? Because I thought that that was an I didn't use the word empathy, but it was just like the customer's always right mentality. Yeah, exactly. And to me, when you're a manager, they're the customer.
2: Exactly. Well, it's it's super fascinating. I uh, about a year ago now, my phone rang in the office, and the little caller ID on it said U.S. government. I was like what I do right and I answer the phone and it's uh and if you're
1: watching at home when you look at him you think he did a lot yeah
2: exactly I mean (laughs) mean, yeah I know what I look like and when I see U.S. government I'm like okay and uh and I answer the phone and it's a captain up at West Point and he said hey I've been listening to your podcast I really like what you guys have to say um we'd like to have you come up and train cadets in in empathy so we go up there and we do a good session with cadets and that's snowballs into actually training uh the the uh the captains and then beyond we actually started training the the generals so we had a room of fifty three star two-star one-star generals and the head of west point said to us at, uh, at one moment in the session empathy is the number one skill we want every cadet to leave here with and Believe i was it. it's amazing
1: it's it's no question the number one thing that i want to deploy to my audience besides patience
2: Mm, and even yeah. that,
1: I think, are kissing cousins, if you really Absolutely, you, know, you can't it.
2: have empathy without patience, because you have to be able to sit with someone and really yes. understand them. If you jump to conclusions too quick, it's over.
1: So, uh, everybody who's watching, it's a real opportunity, if, especially if you're a manager or leader, You know, kind of the things, you, you see the themes emerging. Facebook, start putting in your phone numbers. I don't know if the numbers are coming in. We have some questions for First in Line. Well. Oh, you, are you used First in Line? Yeah, people who are creative directors, or entrepreneurs. Nice. All right, uh, for everybody who's watching first in line, if you haven't signed up, oh, I don't have. I'm have crushing it there now. Uh, go to my website, GaryVaynerchuk.com, or if you message me on Facebook, it should. I know this is always clunky. Okay. If you message me on Facebook Messenger right now, please, actually, you know what? Do me a favor, Facebook, because a lot of you are watching right now. Uh, Can you just message me real quick on Facebook Messenger and see if you're getting the auto response from the AI bot on First in Line? And then you should join First in Line. A lot of good uh, things we're up to on that. Also, including starting this Saturday, we're giving out sneakers. Sneaker Sneaker Saturdays. I'm excited. I got a whole it's really rad. anyway no no talk you know what but talk about empathetic I we've started a text messaging platform called first in line yep we at first just tried to make it a text messaging thing empathetically people wanted access to me I realized after a month that I was responding more on Twitter than my own text messaging app really so we completely rebranded it to something else empathetically yeah. that we think people value first in line uh-huh basically it's a place where I'm just for my hardest core audience yeah Giving free sneakers, I, I did, uh, did we pick the 60 seconds, 60 people, yes. you picked them all?
0: We picked all of them, I just have to verify that we like all 60,
1: but yes. Understood, so cool. uh, people are looking for access, so uh, a couple days ago I gave away 60 second FaceTime on Snapchat to 60 people. Love that. You know, that's the most valuable thing I can give is my time. Exactly. Um, you know, look how long this has taken to like, you know, you know my <laughs> schedule, no, but really, yeah. I mean. no, for sure. Uh, so, uh, First Line sign up, okay, let, so we've got questions from First Line, but we're also gonna take some from Facebook, or all are we right. only, okay, good. Let's do the first question. Go ahead. So, what's the first question? Oh, we're calling them. I forgot. That's right. We did it like the wine show. Michael, while we're doing the first call, uh, for for the people that are watching, what was the best thing about building an agency and building an agency? Like Uh, you've been in the game for a while.
2: Totally. I think it's when you move as the founder from the sun that everything orbits around to the brand becomes the sun. Yeah. You know, like then it's like and it kind of does its its own thing. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's cool. It's a great answer. Who's this? This is Zach. Zach, this is Gary Vaynerchuk and you're on the Ask Gary V Show with Michael Ventura. Hey. Oh
3: my goodness, I am tripping
1: out right now.
3: (laughs) (laughs) This is crazy, man. How are you guys? We're super
1: well. Excellent. How can we help?
3: Great, so my biggest question right now is, so I'm an entrepreneur and a creative director myself. I had a product come out this year called The Bible Study. And it's a full year study of the Bible, and then I also designed it to be very appealing for millennials. Love it. So it's all full of, uh, it's all full of photos and graphic design and everything. So my question is, how do you balance uh, between, uh, how do you balance workflow between business tasks and being creative? Do you schedule times to be creative?
2: Uh, I mean, in my in my life, I, I have a hard time drawing a line between those two things because I think part of part of my life is to be creative professionally. So it, I, I don't really schedule much time that is overtly for being creative versus being a business person because I feel like those worlds, when they blend, is actually when I get the most productivity out of myself. That said, uh, when I wrote the book, because the book is a very different type of creativity and a very different type of workflow than, a, than working with teams and building solutions, um, that was something I'd said every... Every Friday, I'm going to just take a writing day. And I chose Friday, not just because it's the end of the week, but also because if I was on a roll and I was loving it, I could roll into Saturday, Sunday, knock out three days of writing and be back in the office Monday. So um, I started it in April. I finished it in November. And that was, that was like the, the workflow I set up for myself that suited that. Zach, for me, but,
1: um, I think we judge ourselves too much. I think people spend more time trying to figure out the process of doing work and being creative than actually just letting it flow and being okay with I'm okay with waking up 18 months later and being like I haven't been thoughtful at all about anything I've just been doing so much Let me take a step back and my team will tell you since you know four of them are here which is very creative around the Gary Vee brand um, You know I could text you on Thursday saying we're Crushing it, everything's rolling, super pumped, and literally Friday morning, something happens, and the the text on the eighteen person thirty person thread we have is like, we guys, we need a complete reset, we're a <laughs> disaster and 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 they'll tell you i don't I don't run hot and cold that's a bad manager, somebody who runs hot and cold you know, once, twice, four, seven times a year, I'll have that reset moment. Rarely does it lead to some macro four, it's ironic, I just came off a, I just walked across the street from an offsite with my leadership team, the first one I've had as an offsite, not a one hour, man, uh, in years, I, my ultimate reason for ranting about some of these themes, Zach, is, brother, everybody's judging themselves too much. Like, just being, a lot better. It's funny, I find, I, I've i watched every Star Wars reboot movie the day and weekend mm-hmm. it came out. Um, except this last one, right? The one that came out last November, right? Maybe the solo f- you know, propaganda got me thinking <laughs> like, oh, f- I forgot to watch the last episode. So I watched it Friday night, which is rare for me to watch content, but I'm all about the Star Wars. And, like, when Luke is like training her about the Force, it's just like, let it be. Like, it's, it's yeah. big. It, the reason that movie has always spoken to me is I genuinely think I play that. I believe that, like, I'm very close to being a horrible guy. And I'm so thankful <laughs> that I'm not, the whole Jedi dark side thing. And I think it's because I play, and I think it's because, you know, it's a very long winded answer to your question, Zach. My recommendation never debate it again. When you're rolling creatively, mazel tov. When you're operational, cool. When you're on defense for a year, fine. When you're on offense for a year, good. When you had too many lures in the pool and you realize it, pull some back. But everybody's planning, 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 yeah. planning, 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 and nobody's doing. That's probably one of the most valuable yeah. I've learned. DRock's jumping in here, which is rare, so we gotta take it serious. What's that D <laughs> you know, That's one of the most valuable lessons I've learned, just not judge myself. But some days I'm super creative. And then, like, you just like, can't, I, can't force it. We're just judging, Zach. We're judging too much. We're judging ourselves most of all. Like, but you might yeah. be a very structured person. For example, somebody who's watching is like, Ugh, I can't do that. Like, I need like Monday to be this day and Tuesday's my that day, and that's awesome too. Right? Don't judge that. Don't think you yeah. need to be like me. It's all about self awareness. Know how you roll. But I would just say, don't. Dwell, or tr- I think everybody's trying to, in a world where everybody's trying to do better and be better. I think a lot of times it comes at the detriment. You know how they talk a lot about like, kids have so much creativity and then the system kicks it out of mm-hmm. them? I often think my bad rapport card and my kind of like being very insular made me unbelievably creative and thoughtful as an entrepreneur yeah. because I never allowed myself yeah. to let the outside forces, and I think sometimes the biggest outside force is your own force on yourself.
2: 100%, empathy for yourself has to come first before empathy for anyone else because if you don't understand you yeah. and the way you work and the way you function, then what's the it's point? You're not over. gonna, yeah, it's game Lack over. Lack of
1: self-awareness. Zach, does that make sense? So true. Yeah, how no, do you, absolutely. How do and you? I, how do you get I, creative? How do you do it? Yeah, it's funny because I'm very
3: structured with my time, and I have no problem banging out a 14, 16 hour work day because I'm I love the business grind of it. But I know that I also have to be creative because I am a creative person. So it's like I I just got to figure it out and and kind of plan it in sometimes because I'll be like, okay, I can spend six hours today figuring out how to make my social better on. My uh, uh, talking about like what I'm actually I get it. going to I get it. be putting out, but uh, but it's like okay, I need to actually spend time designing it and creating it and turning it into something. I and get it. so, so I, I feel it. you. I feel you there, man. I get
1: it. Yeah. Thanks, brother. Thanks for awesome. calling. Thanks for calling. Um, weird thing, real quick. I just noticed Babbin's shirt. What's weird about it is it's got the number 14, 11, and seventy-five. What's interesting is I was born in Europe, in Eastern Europe, in Belarus, mm-hmm. where you, tar- you, t- you said the day you were born first, then right. the month, not like in America. Mm-hmm. Ironically, that's exactly the day I was born. I was born on November 14th, 1975. <laughs> so like literally, since I was born there, literally it was my birth certificate is 14 comma 11 comma 75. What is that shirt? I have
2: no idea. Someone sent it and it was my size, so
1: I grabbed it. <laughs> so they must have sent it to me. For me, do you think somebody said it for my date?
2: There was like,
3: last time Jeff went through and cleaned out all the clothes, yeah. it was one of the free
1: things I grabbed. Yeah, okay, can you wash it and give it to me? Yeah. Cool. <laughs> right, let's go on to the next question. That is really weird. They mu- it has to be one that, right? That. What's the brand, What's the? is there anything There's else? There's like a big thing on the back, I think. Oh yeah, there is one. Yeah, this is like, dude, you're wearing a shirt. that's basically my entire life. I think it's even when I was born at one time. I thought it was this amazing brand that there was like a coincidence. No, it's a super custom made t shirt for me. Yeah. Who's this? Mo. Mo? She. she. Hello, this is Mo. Mo, it's Gary Vaynerchuk, and you're on the Ask Gary V show with Michael Ventura.
2: Hey.
3: Oh, my goodness. This is amazing. Thank you so much for taking my call. I appreciate it.
1: No worries, Mo. What's your question?
3: So my question is, is there ever a point where you can be too empathetic as a business that it's detrimental?
2: Michael? Yeah, I would say that, you know, there, there comes a point where you can't take every piece of information from every single person. At a certain point, you have to draw the line and say, we've got enough to make a decision, let's move on. You know, you can't boil the ocean. And so I think that that's a tendency, particularly of a lot of startups. When startups get started, obviously there's like a small team, every decision's being made as a committee and you're kind of working together to grow. But Ooh, it's it,
1: interesting you said, I apologize to cutting yeah. you off. I would argue that one of the reasons I like a lot of startups Is there is usually a founder Mm -hmm. or a force where she's just being the dictator, and that big companies get into committee thinking and get really slow. But to your point, I've seen both.
2: Yeah, I guess it it could happen either way, right? But I think what happens is when something scales super fast, right? When you go from a culture of Mm ten where you kind of feel like you've been included, and then all of a sudden you're a culture of a thousand, and like now you you used to care, you used to have a seat at the table, and now you don't. That's when things also can kind of the wheels can fall off the bus a little bit. Um, So, uh, so yeah, I think. there, is, there does come a point that you have enough information that you can make the decision, and beyond that, it's it starts to become a little tedious.
1: Uh, Mo, to answer your question from my perspective, I do think that both companies I've built day in and day out, Wine Library and VaynerMedia, that I was too empathetic, which then led to entitlement. Mm-hmm. I have absolutely Ooh, oh. no question run two organizations that I establish too much entitlement and then both. And I'm, and I'm in the process towards the tail end here at Vaynermedia. we started it last March, uh, so about a year and maybe 14 months into this, where it was painful and it led with things like uh, you know, firing a lot of people and things like that. I, I, I still believe in this, by the way, in the next business I build from scratch or jump into, or probably when I buy a brand and run it, I'll do the same thing. I'm a believer of establishing warm, and emotional and lovey and good, warm, awesome vibes. But no question, I'm always aware that come year five to 10, I'm gonna be dealing with entitlement and I'm gonna have to correct it. And I think it was, I'm more aware of it because of the scale of Vayner compared to Wine Library. And my hope is that I have a better balance of radical candor in the beginning and a couple of other things. Because empathy is... Unbelievable, I can't wait for Michael to jump on this, I'm dying to get his perspective. Empathy is unbelievable. I do think like anything, much like the force, everything has to be in balance, it can go too far and you get into delusion and and uh, and complacency and entitlement and then you get into
2: a, a scary place Absolutely You also you know, If you think about it um, So many people Misconstrue empathy For the wrong things Like really empathy Is just about understanding And when people Think about empathy As being nice Or being sympathetic Those are not the same thing They're not synonymous At all right Actually you can be Like some of the best Sociopaths in the world Are also the best empaths Because of they course. know It's going to get Under your skin They know you They understand you And so they're going to Use that to their advantage Now that's not What we're necessarily Trying to create more of In the world But at the same time right. it's, it, it is like There, there comes a a point that too much is too much.
3: Well, and so that brings a great point because you just mentioned being an empath. I understand that me as a person, I'm an empath. And so that's one of the challenges that I face and I, I realize that, um, being too empathetic with my clients. Like, oh yes, I understand your financial situation. Oh yes, I can help out. So
1: I would say what Michael's saying is very right. You're mixing empathy into other characteristics.
2: Agree. Yeah. Right? I would I would say you stop at understanding it. Don't don't put yourself into a place where you have to solve it from their shoes. Understand their perspective, but they're paying you to solve it from your shoes.
1: But also don't blend things that are actually strengths or strategies into woe is me. Let me explain. I I have in the past had this populated in my mind and I corrected myself. I've never let it gain a lot of momentum, but I see a ton of startups that I advise start crying about that. I'm too empathetic for my and, and I'm saying, no, no, no. You're a little bit more clever than that. And maybe you are too, Mo. Maybe you're doing that because you realize that's your competitive advantage. You're competing against people who don't have the ability or are too big or pander to Wall Street where money is their North Star. I I was overly empathetic to my clients to the tune of, wait a minute, VaynerMedia is now a threat. So, so you've gotta understand the line between being strategic about building leverage versus being a pushover. Does that make sense, Mo? Totally, totally makes sense. And I think a lot of, you have to understand, for example, I don't make a lot of profit, right? And so, you know, some may say that I'm being too empathetic to my client. I'm thinking I'm building leverage for building a huge book of business. It's harder to fire agencies when they bring you value and then over time I can build out the value plus I'm building it for a very different reason blah 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 blah. So, you know, you know, you have to also know what you're being driven by, right? Like, you know, some people want a lot of employees, some people want to say they do 100 million in revenue. But only one million in profit. Others want to do five million in profit with four million, five million in revenue with four million in profit because they're at a point in their life where they want to buy a home or a second home or a vacation home or a Maserati. So, you know, Mo, I think, I think be very carefully careful here. So for example, I love being taken advantage of because it I find it to be my strength and my leverage. <laughs> so you have to figure out if if you know you're only looking at one part, which is a purchase order, an invoice, and the financial part, if it makes you happy for over delivering, mm. but you make 500,000 and profit less on a million overall, so you're leaving half the money, yes, your grandfather, who was an accountant, may think you're an idiot, but what what fills your heart and soul might be something different.
3: Fantastic, thank
1: you so much. You're welcome. Right?
3: Yeah, I, I totally agree.
2: Yeah.
1: While you pick up the next question, Michael, tell me—you know—obviously, I wanted you on here because I want everybody to buy this book. I'm being—I'm—I'm I'm being very nice and right hooky to my my guests lately. <laughs> like, what do you for the people that have read it early on, who've yeah. been closest to you? I always think the people closest to you yep. give you the unlock to the value of the book because uh-huh. they're bought into your your to begin with, right? And often they're, aha, or oh, I didn't expect that, is a lot of times the thing to latch onto. Yeah. Of the 10, one people that have read this, yep. what's been the early feedback of that
2: thing? So I think that the thing is the applied, not the empathy. So the thing is that I think a lot of people can have empathy right. and a lot of people cultivate it, but don't do with it, right? And so you just- the practical. Yeah, and, and so like, what do you actually do once you understand? And how do you make sure that that becomes right. something Mo that- Mo
1: running around saying, I'm an empath,
2: what and, are you going to do about it?
1: Yeah, it's like saying I have a beard. Right. <laughs> Who's this? That Dan? Dan. Interesting, Hi, the
3: New York phone number.
1: Yes, Dan, you are correct. This is Gary Vee, <laughs> and you are on the Ask Gary Vee Show with Michael Mentora.
3: Hello. Hello, sir. Hello, Michael. Hey, how's it going? Pretty good, pretty good. Uh, it's finally warm in Michigan, so we're excited.
1: <laughs> good for you. What's your question?
3: All right, man. Um, I've actually sat inside VaynerMedia before and asked you this question in a little bit different format. Um, We're trying to scale. I use freelancers all the time. My dream is a five to 10 person uh, firm that does creative design and, of course, film production like we do, and I'm the creative director as opposed to wearing all the hats. Um, We've used freelancers, we've used interns, we've done so many different things, and I'm just looking for practical information on how to scale.
1: Michael. How did you guys go about doing that? I
2: think when that, you hear what he's trying to do. Yeah, I mean, we were in that exact same situation, right? I started the studio with myself and, and a buddy, right, and then and we've grown yep. into you know the fifty some odd folks that we are now. And, and have, what's
1: the most amount you've ever had? We have
2: you... capped at fifty. We actually we took that long oh, I remember lease that. We took a long lease on a building to actually say we don't want to be bigger than fifty, and we love this building so much. And so much, literally,
1: though. I'm sorry to interrupt, but this yeah, is exciting no. business fodder when you decide to hire a new person somebody has to be fired kind of I mean yeah, no like, I think that's actually yeah I think there's something there
2: that's I think why I'm- I think once you get into the, like the couple hundred or a thousand person team mediocrity can hide in the rafters right oh. you you can have C students everywhere oh. and and at 50 people you can't have C students everyone has to be good at their job we,
1: we we have c students in our 28 person team out of scale let alone my 850 as the agency i mean right a hundred percent
2: so um but to go to to your point about the how do you scale it D-Rock's i think like having mold. having a Just real sense of, it's true black yeah. mold is exactly I call is.
1: black mold that's my nickname <laughs> right, actually everyone calls him d-rock i call him black mold in <laughs> <laughs> nice,
2: nice plug. I would I would look at what is it about what you're doing that you're doing because you need to versus because you're good at it and stop doing that and hire someone for that. Because I think the tendency is, oh, I'm going to hire an, a, a junior art director so that they can do the production work or something like that. But maybe you shouldn't be wasting any of your time doing the ops on the business or doing the new business or I don't know what it is. I don't know what you're good at or what you're not. But uh, the quicker yeah. you can get to stopping what you're doing and hiring someone who's actually great at that so that you can do what you do well and nothing else, the faster it scales.
1: Brother, I think you're half, I think you're half pregnant and you've got two polar opposite things that you're trying to accomplish. You're trying to keep the team, the core team, at five to 10 and you're looking to scale for a million different reasons that's right. I'll tell you where it hurts. Like freelancing and interning by nature is not a full commitment. It's yeah. dating, it's yep. hook, you're dating and hooking up, yet you're looking for the best marriage of all time. Here's what I would say. Yep. There's two ways. One, let go of this notion of it can only be five and 10 and maybe go to 17 full time and have all your dreams and desires and financial impact. Or build a technology with an outside partner that is about a platform for creators and don't go after like the biggest companies in the world. Like everyone's trying to do this. Build something that's very niche for you. Maybe you even charge for it. Maybe it's a class, maybe it's education. But in essence, it's almost like a front, right? Because it's this tool for all these millions of freelance creators that are not only out there now, but literally every 16-year-old creative right now is gonna be baffled by why should I work at VaynerMedia or Droga or Subrosa? I have the leverage, the tools are out there. So maybe you build a little micro, 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 micro tool that is a little SaaS business or a little community and then that's what you can tap into. It's how I think about it, right? Like, what I'm sitting on, instead of all the creatives I have, is the tens of thousands of creative fans and community members I have. And when I layer one little basic software out in the Vayner world, Vayner creators, if I call it that, I'll literally have a thousand people who I can drive down the costs, have them in Johannesburg filming on the spot, and I won't have to deal with these Egos of Babin and D-Rock and Seth, Andy's humble. And you know, and like, I could just go on with my merry way, pay way less, by the way, because right. they get expensive as they start thinking they're fancy, and they're being good about it. They're being ridiculously patient, and they're more expensive. Than, it's really funny. Both This is both Seth and Babbin. Straight truth, not to put their laundry out there. When negotiating their last salaries, to their credit, I felt close enough to them, and I felt like I had to be better about radical candor. I'm like, hey, I agree that you kind of deserve this, and if you want me to, as they will both tell you, I'll go get you more. Right. I'll go get you more. Here's my problem. I hit one tweet right now, and I have 47 people who in theory, theoretically, should be of your cloth, or if not, it's worth it for the business to pay a fifth of the price, and they'll just be like you were. Like, So it's a very interesting yeah. time. Ultimately, I think what you need to think about is how you bring value to these intern or freelancers, it's very tough to build a marriage while just kind of hooking up for booty calls or having a solid dating structure of we see each other every three weeks for a nice dinner.
2: Yeah, I, we actually uh, have like a huge allergy towards freelance unless it's like maternity or paternity coverage or something like that. Because we've got such a specific way of doing what we do that like if you bring in freelancers, they're going to bring in all the ways they did stuff somewhere else. They're not and, aligned interests. And they're not going to be aligned interests. They're not exactly. aligned
1: interests. Yeah. yeah. Makes sense for you. I mean, that probably made a ton of sense to you, right?
2: No, t- a ton
3: of sense. I, I'm, I'm self-aware enough to know that like pitching and creative direction is where I'm at. And I'm doing the rest because I have to. So I'm I'm excited about the the small staff idea too because I've been kicking around that sort of thing for a while. So it sounds it sounds like a confirmation.
1: <laughs> Love it. All right, brother. All right.
2: Good luck. Good luck. Love it. Thanks.
1: <sighs> Applied. Yeah. What? Uh, where have you seen as you've been testing this in the waters between you know the government and other places? When it's done by its best, what did the organization or company have in their DNA that allowed them to actually get the most value out of this?
2: I think it comes down to being willing to look internal before you pursue the external aspiration. And so what I mean by that is, yeah, I'm sorry, keep going. I I know you get (laughs) it. (laughs) Like if if someone says we want to be known to the world as the most innovative car company, great. But you better make sure you have the right people. You better make sure you have the right products. You better make sure you have the right values inside this organization, because if you don't have that stuff and you just want to go make an ad campaign, it's
1: you're dead. It's why we spend, you know, it's funny, we hired a chief uh, client officer, Andrea Sullivan from Interbrand, amazing. She's amazing, she's brought a lot of value to the company. She's like, man, this is really the opposite. It's so insular, you guys spend so much time on culture and inside, like we need to do a little more outside. She's not wrong, You know, as you know, being in the game, like most people still struggle with really, in in Madison Avenue, not my fans, about what Vayner does. Like, you know, eight years in, it's still like, they're not really cra- like nobody yeah.
2: I, we spend so little time outward same with us i mean nobody knows what the hell we do and like and that's often the first question that we get someone comes in the door either a they're client like, so or a do recruit do? they're like so we've heard about you guys a lot but like what the hell is actually the yeah. thing and it's like well because we actually solve problems we're we're not just responding to briefs
1: right we're not both of our companies weren't built to maximize the agency EBITDA game
2: no no not at all actually honest. they were both built to just Actually, solve open-ended questions for people,
1: and and very honestly, the, the little bit I know about you as well, very insular, almost for ourselves.
2: Yeah, exactly. Because with that really strong foundation, you can tackle a million different problems. And
1: you know what's funny? Using the empathy, applied empathy framework, and then using some of the questions before, I think that's an incredible insight for everybody who's watching and listening. Man, and it really makes sense when you do it for yourself. Like it's a, the collateral damage. Positive collateral damage yeah, right. that's created when you do it for yourself, mm-hmm. for whoever you're working for, is remarkable.
2: Yeah, and you're you're a, in a constant state of evolution. If you if you checked into yourself ten years ago and did it in five years after that, and five years after that, you're three different people, right? Exactly. You're like you're growing way too quick, and so you do yourself a di- disservice the more you pay. The lock, text lock, lock with you attention. two,
1: that's actually exactly the unlock that we need. Like you need to make videos that you want to make and let them play out for our audience. Like all the edits you've been wanting to make, just make them.
2: Yeah, see what happens.
1: You know, as long as you respect the distribution, you know, like that's where people struggle right now in today's new world of creativity. Yeah. They don't respect the distribution of where the creative goes. Yeah. So I see a lot of videos that don't respect how YouTube or Facebook or, you know, Hulu works.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I was uh, talking to someone earlier this morning and he said, my job is to be a guardian for the audience right and if you're not thinking that way then you then who is this for
1: i think that's right phone call yeah um what else michael while we're going to this next phone call and transition do you want people to know about this or anything else yeah
2: i mean i think that for for me the most important reason for doing this was that putting empathy inside an organization is really gonna let people understand not just like how to reorg their internal team or like make a better campaign, but it's actually gonna make better people. It's going to actually make a better team. And so if, you, if you're a leader leading people, this That's is important. Goal. Name
0: Jordan. Jordan. Well, to Jordan, how may I help you?
1: Jordan, you may help me by asking your question here on the Ask Gary V Show <laughs> with Michael Ventura.
0: Oh, you guys are so cool, man. I knew it was from New York. I was hoping it was you guys. Let me, uh, let me go back through it real quick. I'll pull it up.
1: No worries, brother.
0: Uh, while he's pulling All up, right. well, you got it, Jordan? Yeah, one sec here. My question is, what's your best strategy for working closely with creative type people who yep. can sometimes be difficult to work with? Jordan, and before, and
1: before of, Michael answers that, I'm just curious, what's your context, Jordan? Are you, who are you to these creative people? Just so I understand.
0: So basically, I'm I'm kind of the overseer wearing multiple hats, dealing with people, um, through um that are basically I'm trying to get my brand image and my branding concept across to people like a web designer and like a Photoshop editor, like a photographer, like a videographer. And like this is a a, and this is
1: around your personal brand. Or are you doing
0: agency work for people? Like, what's the punch? What what business are this we talking around, about? Yeah, this is around my personal brand. It's called World Class Male.
2: I understand. Got it. So, have you ever played sports? Were you a sports person growing up?
0: Absolutely. I'm a boxer.
2: Okay. So, your trainers that you worked with, right? You've probably worked with a couple of them over the years. The best ones that you worked with probably are... Took the effort to understand you and the way you learn before they started just laying on drills, right? So when I was coming up, I played a lot of different sports, right? And the coaches that got the best out of me knew that I wasn't going to be the best performer for them by drilling me into the ground. It was going to be by pulling me aside and saying, when you drop step, you're creating leverage. And they would explain the logic behind the coaching. And then I would work my. Off for those guys. But I had other guys on my team who needed to run suicides for 25 minutes because that was the only way they were going to get motivated if they didn't get something right. And the, right, be- the right. and you are now a coach, right? You are now someone who's got to go put that message out into all of these different people's minds. It's not one size fits all. You have to customize right. that for the people you're talking to. The way, the way a graphic designer might hear you is going to be very different than the way a photographer hears you because they work in different ways. And you have to make an effort <laughs> to at least start to build some archetypes of who they are and what they want to hear from and then right. c- cater it.
1: And so what Michael's talking about there is B2B empathy. It's a business to business relationship. And I think if you exactly. understand the b 2 b to c part of this, it can really unlock something for you. So no question, the thing that I most enjoyed watching my creative team that's sitting around me right now learn from me is you get another at bat tomorrow. I think one of the right. biggest mm-hmm. mistakes that someone like you on paper could make is you have a vision in your head. And whether you did a good job coaching or not, or let's say you crushed it, and the designer went somewhere else. Maybe you totally understood how she worked, but she missed the mark. Here's the thing. You have to understand that she missed the mark based on only your point of view in your head. Exactly. Which may exactly. which may or may not be right, meaning I don't get any great feelings from when I tell the team to edit something, which is not often, if it then does well or doesn't. Do I think I understand my audience? Of course. Do I love razzing with them of like, see, you know, like, sure. But that's the competitive part of me and it's absolutely in fun. They know that I don't mean it. I would tell you, being young in the process, don't, why don't you let them just do it? Like to me, it's ego that's getting in your way because why don't you just see what happens versus you know that it should have been gold and you know this font or should have been 13 seconds later? You're if you're building a brand around you and this whole thing, this is a forever game. So no, absolutely. I think people absolutely. O- people overthink like one video, one post can kill them so right. much. Do you see where I'm right. going?
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I'm not into micromanaging at all. And actually, that's actually really a good point because I do my Photoshop guy. He has an architecture background and I just let him run with it. He actually comes to me with ideas and it's really great. And I love that relationship. I mainly was bringing this up because I have this one web developer and he, he's great. He does good work, but I continually have to like prod him and like give him like you know give him the rundown daily rundown of the stuff that we've been working on like in the previous day and sometimes it gets a little frustrating so here here's what stuff. i would say
1: you just might need to move on from that person or <laughs> here's my thing my big thing is i don't dwell either i have You're to right. move on from that person or i have to accept it and still say that the roi for what i'm paying and the work that i'm getting is worth it yeah. the end it's it's brother it's binary but but you have to understand you can't have that second part loaded. Too many people want it the way they want it, meaning you've decided that you're okay with what you're getting and what you have to do because of the price, yep. well then you don't get to complain yep. about it. You made your f- bed, bro, sleep True. in it. Sleep True. in it because right, you're, wasting, right. you're wasting energy on a decision okay. you made. Too many people are looking for outside uh, coddling. Like you've made your bed, sleep in it because all right. the energy you're spending on to yourself or complaining to somebody else about Rick who you have to talk to every day this phone call of five minutes and 16 seconds is already <laughs> ROI negative because if you just accepted the bed that you created right. you would have been on the offense for this five minutes and 27 seconds
0: yeah no I'm wearing the shirt man I'm wearing the shirt it's all okay. good. We're, good we're gonna be launching in a few days so good good luck but thank you so you much it. for the call you guys you guys are awesome love you guys Thanks. take care Bye bye Michael, what do we wrap
1: up with here?
2: So We covered some questions. We covered covered some some questions.
1: What's the white space uh, that's left here?
2: I think that it's really about uh, making sure that I I think in my – so this book comes out a week from tomorrow, right? A week from tomorrow. A week from tomorrow. And my goal right now is to help people understand where the chinks in their own armor are because I believe every single person – has the capacity to be empathic it is not some god-given gift that some people have and other people don't some people but do you, have it in in over index and that's what it. you think right it's it's yeah. it's, it's like it's, it's a like, skill
1: it's a skill that everybody can maximize more
2: absolutely right so but so it
1: doesn't mean they're going to the hall of fame
2: no like, exactly i'm
1: going to the empathy hall of fame
2: yes yeah good. exactly i'll be there and for he, the
1: <laughs> he might have had one good season and maybe made an all-star game but like <laughs> you know
2: like no but i game. Exactly. Take take the take the All Star game. the the idea that you can. This is a muscle you train, and if you don't train muscles, they atrophy. Yes. And so, to me, this is this is a playbook for training that muscle, so that you may not get to the Hall of Fame, but you will get better every day you do it.
1: I agree. I agree. What's the biggest thing you've learned? What you know, you've had all these friends, acquaintances, yep. write books. You've watched from afar. Yep. you know, you've even you either judge them for promoting too much, too little. Mm-hmm. What What's been the eye opening? You're a, a week away. Yeah, it's a big moment. Like, what's been the aha uh-huh. ha? Be like, you know, because we all judge. The other, you know, lawn grass is always greener. Yeah, we've always got our two cents. Now that you've actually lived it,
2: yep, I think what's that, been
1: the learning experiences for all the people out there who want to write yeah, a book.
2: Yeah, I, I think that there's a there, and I suffered from this as well. I thought that there was a real sort of cross a finish line uh, sort of moment, and it's it's a marathon after a mar. It's an Iron Man, you know what I mean? And it, it is just like I am on the marathon to the starting line, but on May twenty two, this thing starts all over again, and there is no finish line for this type of work. You have to, and I've seen you do it really well you bring your message consistently out into the world time and again and time and again and time and again and you know i was with my mom yesterday it's a uh, mother's day and she was talking to me about this and she said you know i'm really proud that of all the my son could have stood for in the world that he picked yeah, empathy that's right and, and i said well you know don't don't neglect the fact that like this isn't this isn't one and done mom like I'm I'm staying with this because this is a message I believe in and I'm going to keep putting out into the world.
1: Do you intuitively think that there may be another pillar of emotional intelligence that you speak on in the future?
2: Uh yeah, I think so. I don't I don't have a great uh a great quick answer for what that is, but I don't think empathy is it, you know? I mean it is right. a, you th- it's a you huge think- layer
1: you know I've always thought we had similarities do you think other things so I'm obsessed with we talked about patience earlier yeah or, or gratitude yep or you know and I don't know where your framework views these as nuances or platforms themselves no they're and I think these are subjective things anyway right? they're
2: entangled I mean the the one that we talk about a lot Is trust, actually. Trust. Um, We talk about how do you accelerate trust in a relationship? Because once you get to a deep amount of trust, you can do so much more so much faster.
1: You know, it's funny. Bringing up Seth and Babin's thing in here, it's funny. When you said trust, I'm like, huh. I do a lot of things that are not normal to build trust. You Mm -hmm. know, like like it, it does come from building trust. Like I'll do things that seem uncomfortable or lack social norms, but they're grounded in very good intent.
2: Yeah. You know, well, and like even telling them make their own cuts, right? Like that's that is you trusting them oh, and empowering them. Pre- Once you feel that, like I'm like, oh, Gary, definitely trust me. You just want to work harder. Yeah, yeah it's an incredible. Exactly. So how do you accelerate that? How do I meet someone in a in a boardroom and within you know two meetings be at that place that might have taken you guys months? This is why
1: I get this conversation. Always takes me to intent. Mm-hmm. You know, like actions have to back up your intent, but man if you like to me all of this is the the seed of intent is fa- the reason I live the life I live which is I put myself out there tremendously yep. which comes with an enormous amount of baggage especially the way I do it I always enter new fields yeah so I have to it's almost you like I start, start over. all over and I got to get done all over again no matter what <laughs> I've already done and I mean this right one of the reasons I like it so much is because I know what my intent is I do not fear negative feedback ever right. because i know how the show is going to play out
2: yeah and you have a core set of skills and a foundational sort of playbook that is probably consistent no matter what field you put it into and it's just like when those things are right when you have intent when you have honesty when you have all bring of those more
1: value to the to the other party than you take for yourself and it's game over
2: yeah it's just it's <laughs> simple as
1: like how do i become the most valuable person in that relationship Michael, you get to ask the question of the day. So in this part of the show, the guest gets to ask the entire Vayner Nation a question of the day. I would, before you answer, I'm gonna set you up here. Be very thoughtful here. You can get thousands of answers across Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Could be a great opportunity for consumer insights, yeah. things of that nature. Uh, I would not miss this shot. So be thoughtful here. What, what question do you wanna ask that brings you and the audience some value?
2: Where do you feel least empathic is to me because that helps me understand so much about you. It helps, yeah, it's it's a good it's a good question to get started.
1: You know, it's funny. I went right to sports that I don't play. Meaning, mm. I'm and it's funny. It's the place I also deem myself the least good version of myself. Me being a Jets and Nick, I'm an unbelievably not kind. I think kindness is my like. I am a terrible fan to the. Uh, right. I'm <laughs> very rude to other human beings. And I mean it, too, it's not kind of fan voice, like, oh, you No, it's like, I really want something bad to happen to your family right now. Like, so that you can feel the pain that I'm feeling because your team's beating me in my own home. Like, (laughs) road fans at Jet Games, I I do not know how to
2: You don't know how to meet them halfway, yeah. My
1: favorite all-time story, just I want everybody to understand how bad of a guy I am. There's a very elderly gentleman walking up the stairs. You know, I sit right towards the end near the aisle, 86 wearing a Steelers jacket. The Jets are beating the Steelers four or five years ago in a game where the Jets were terrible that year and the Steelers were good and the Jets end up winning this game, made no sense. The gentleman's walking up the stairs, he's 87, 88 years old. I stand up and and the Jets are like, there's four minutes left, the game's over. And I go, old man, you're finished, right? And everyone's like, oh yeah, exactly, this is really bad. (laughs) And then, and then, like you could feel the air sucked out of like everyone's like, "Why'd you do that, Gary? That was not nice." I was on such tilt because what you have to understand: the Steelers travel, the Steelers yeah. travel. So the beginning of the game, all these yellow towels and they're all over my section. I'm already mad at Jet fans for not for selling off the ticket for selling off the tickets. So I'm already on tilt, right? So he's walking up. Old man, you're finished. And everyone's like, "Ah." Uh. And then I go, and I don't mean the game. And then everyone's like, wow, you are a piece of shit. So I am least empathetic and kind during sporting events when you come into my home and try to on me, is how I see it. You please answer that too, now that I've taken the air out of this. That story takes the air out of every room every time. And I, by the way, I'll do it again tomorrow. Because you know what's funny? Sports is not real life to me. Mm-hmm. To me, that's not real life,
2: that's like a... It's living a, vicariously 100%, it's yeah. like,
1: I don't, that's the caricature that I am in that environment. Uh, but like, like, for example, if like the next day that guy cold emailed me, and like, can you get my granddaughter an internship? I'd be like, of course, dude, come in, let's have a drink. You know, like, right. that three hours is not real life.
2: Right, yeah.
1: Does that make sense? It's kind of the reverse of how I see people. Like, I'm blown away that people take, like watching people debate politics right. is how I debate the Jets and Patriots. And I'm like, oh man, but that's real life, and like you're really mean, like you know, right. like to me, this,
2: this affects many people's yeah, lives. At I'm the end only, of the
1: day, I'm only on for four hours, you know, during a Sunday, sixteen times a year. Yeah, you know, and you know, it's it's interesting, but it's funny to me that to me, when something doesn't mean as much, that's where I can go you there have permission to but do it. But, a yeah, bit more. but what, what, Michael, help me here. Like, well, what's that all about? Well, I mean,
2: that's <laughs> kind of why I asked the question, right? Because I think if you ask, if I said, where are you most empathic? People that people have canned answers like they can shoot off their hip really quickly. But when you say least, it starts to expose where are you not making an effort to understand the world around you? Where are yeah, you I not? I don't making... want to. I
1: hate the Patriots.
2: Right. I don't and, understand them. Yeah. And that's OK. You don't have to want to understand everybody. Yeah. But understanding I understand that, that, that if you're
1: a 30 year old Boston fan, you're spoiled and by the way here's my number one least empathetic thing if you live in a town that is not boston and you're a patriots fan if you live in a town that is not san francisco and you're a golden state warriors fan and i'll give you one little asterisk your dad or mom had to grow up in that town and were fans of that team not you use that as the leverage point you i hate those fans do not go into a jersey high school wearing a you know, Steph Curry jersey, because you're totally using that to, as a self-esteem stimulant, you're, I hate when people are like, you, uh, my other favorite sports story of all time, Yeah, I'm giving my two favorites, one in one shot, Knicks and Jets, perfect. Knicks game right there, yep. Knicks are losing to the Heat, Heat fan walking by, I stand up, this, I'm just a weird dude in these environments, I stand up, I go, hey, <laughs> turns around, I'm like, you, right? He he, um, turns and looks at me, goes, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at the scoreboard, we're up 20, we really fuck. I go, no, 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 not them, you, right? You the human. That to me is like really where I'm at with fans that need to use sports teams to fulfill their self-esteem. Like you wearing a Steph Curry jersey or a LeBron jersey in New York or wearing a Tom Brady jersey, and you live in New York, you know. To me, that just means you're you don't have confidence. I I hate it. I'm I'm so down on it that you need that badge to make you feel good. Right? What do you you think about that, Michael?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Jesus, Um, I you know it. What that tells me is that you are super passionate about your teams, yes. that's for sure. Yes. Um, but, you know, I think sports sports is an example of this. But there are people in boardrooms who think this way, too. And, and, and they get off at their customers who don't buy Or they get stopped, and 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 when there's a knock-on effect to uh to people's livelihoods, like for you, it's four hours. Like you said, this is your this is your fantasy world that you can kind of dip into, yeah, and you can go play that part and enjoy it, and like and that probably and that probably like reboots so much of you by doing it. Best guy on Monday, I love
1: babin. Take a three-week vacation.
2: But when like when it's a political pundit, or whether it's a or when it's a CEO or something like that, who's 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 having that behavior with a business with lives that matter and you know shareholders who give it. It's a very different thing.
1: You know what's interesting to me? I wonder if what, you know, I was, I was almost even asked, as you were answering, I'm like, why did I just bring up this huge yeah. rant at the end about the sports thing? I wonder if one of the places I was intuitively going, and I'd like to explore with you maybe in the future, is I wonder if people need an outlet that yeah. doesn't matter as much? Like, maybe you need to debate, like, Decepticons versus, like, like maybe you need to d- debate, yeah. like, which Yoda is the best Yoda? Like, maybe you need to debate, like, Bill and Ted's Excellent Venture shouldn't be rebooted. Maybe we need to help. Maybe one of the ways as an applied utility Mm -hmm. is maybe accelerating people to get that feeling off in places that matter less.
2: Yeah, I think you're right about that, 100%. Because because if you don't and you repress that in those moments, it's going to show up somewhere that does matter and then you've got a problem on your hands.
1: Michael, thank you so much. Thank you, brother. You keep asking questions. We'll keep answering them. Guys, thanks so much for listening to the audio experience. It would mean the world, and I mean the world, if you could go and leave a rating on iTunes. Your word of mouth is my oxygen.